love, blessings, and honor. Welcome, everyone. I am your co-host, Eyes Red. And I'm your co-host, Reality Soldier. And we are Garvey's Ghost in, in the, the Spectrum of Roots. <laughs> We're getting quite good at that. Well, I, I think it's a Hollywood thing coming. Um, today, another, 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 another special day. Yeah. With one of the acolytes in our business. <laughs> Tell the people who we have in the place, brother. Well, today we are honoured to be joined by the one and only JT, Kabula Amlak. Greetings, Jay. How are you doing? Greetings. Yes, fire. Yeah, great to be here. Give thanks for the invite. Yes, how you mean? Brother, thrilled that you're here. Yeah. Really, really thrilled that you're here. We've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, and trying to unearth what makes a particular brother tick. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that makes this brother tick? You're a unique kind of guy, bro. Mm. I ain't even going to front. So let's, let's get down and dirty and unearth all the stuff. Well, let's take it from the beginning, where he was born. Your family dynamics, siblings, that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I was um, born just outside the town that they call South End on Sea. Yeah. Uh, in a little place called Rochford because South End didn't have a maternity unit at that time. Okay. Um, that's a seaside town for those that don't know. Down the River Thames. From London. Mm -hmm. East side. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very unique and special place still. Right. As all people who have visited there would surely know. And it's a, a town that has an unusual uh, presence of reggae sound system. See. And has held a presence in reggae sound system for a good number of years. Okay. Yes. From a time when that was very contradictory to the political scenario and the demographic of the area. Okay. Yeah, because that's Essex, right? Yeah. And Essex in them days, boy, I didn't go Essex till I was fully grown. <laughs> yeah. It was. <laughs> it wasn't the safest of places. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Trust me. Except for South End. Which still wasn't the safest of places, but some very serious sound system sessions did take place mm. in that town. Okay. So that was part of the backdrop that I was born against in that town still. Okay. All right. So what was the family makeup? Family makeup in the home was my mother, my father, and my younger brother. So what did, uh, what did dad do? What did mum do? What was the um, story? Contradictory again, in them times, my father was a butcher. Okay. Yeah. Hell no. One <laughs> <laughs> of meat cleavers and shit. I wasn't expecting that one, really? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if being an idealist come through choice or trauma sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah. you know, mum was doing mum's business still. Yeah, wow. yeah. I hear that. Okay. I hear that. Okay. So what about school, early life in school? What, what, did you like school? Or? Yeah, thankfully, I loved school. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved the spirit of learning. Mm. Uh, well, you went to school to learn? <laughs> we never went to school, though. We went to go and see our mates and have a laugh. Can't leave me down songs, just in your team. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely the early years. Okay. Yeah, because the first book I was ever bought as a child was a thousand answers to a thousand questions. Wow. Because mm -hmm. I was driving every, from I discovered that word, why? 
Oh, it was just driving everyone nuts. <laughs> and the appropriate book was bought. Now keep it quiet for an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So the school dynamic. How was school like? What was your friends like? Were your friend, your friendship circle, and anything there? Mm, I've, you know. Always had a kind of friendship circle, but always been a one away as well. Right. So the dynamic for me was always like, you know, in in something, but on my own flex okay. very much as well. Do you and think that comes from being an older child? Because I found out as well. Sort of, you know, you, you immerse yourself in sort of care and looking after the younger ones or the younger one. But then you'd have to take time. I, that's, that could be just speaking for me. Yeah, man, I was, it, I'm sure it's part of the older brother dynamic. Yeah. And certain events in my childhood also meant that maybe I had to kind of grow up a little piece faster. Right. Than I otherwise would have done. Right. And that can definitely set you on a certain path. But, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, it just allowed me to find the things that I really loved. Okay. Really quickly. Right. Okay. Because it could have been a tragic type of situation. Right. But actually, what happened is it made it created a hole in my life because um, my father was involved in an incident and he stood up for what he believed was right and it was the right thing to do. But unfortunately, the right thing to do was the wrong thing in the eyes of the law. Right. And he had to serve a little bit of time in prison. Mm. But that scenario there created a hole in my life that something profound needed to fill True and i will be forever indebted to the fact that it was rastafari See. that filled that hole even yeah. though it, it, at that point in time it was very it wasn't tangible to me in the way i could i couldn't have articulated it right but it was very real and made real by this uh 12 inch record Max Romeo means Jashaka the Farah is the captain of my ship LP mm -hmm. and that LP along with this little postcard of the king three images of the king as a child as an elder statesman and in the center as in the coronation regalia right mm. and then this record speaking about you know what it is to walk in in, in the footsteps of the king, or it is to, to hold the king mm -hmm. in that reverence. Right, yes. The image of Max Romeo on the front, the image of the king, Max Romeo there with his hands in prayer position, the titled Farai is the captain of my mm -hmm. ship, in that combination. So that dynamic there put me as a one-away youth in many respects. Okay. <laughs> because... Like I say, out of the what could have been a tragedy, something mm. profound was put in 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 that place. Yes, that just captivated me from that time till now. Okay. So this is around junior school time. Yeah, junior okay. school time. And how did the teachers react to what they were seeing coming from you? Yeah, again, always give thanks because Jazz always put some mystical people in my path. Okay. Because even the final teacher that I had in my last year of junior school was just a one-away character. And the other thing that I inherited in, in that scenario 
was a double 15 inch um, base box. Okay. And I actually took it to school one day. <laughs> and the teacher just told me, this is great. It's like, you know, you should think about if you want to do something with music, because he could see how passionate yeah, I was. Okay. And I don't even really, it, it was just a madness. I just needed to take it into school. To sh it was like the show and tell day. Right. But I rocked up with this double 15 inch reflex box. It was too heavy for me to carry. So I had to take the speakers out, take the cones out of the box. So then could manage the empty box, mm. <laughs> then put the cones back in one at a time, then wire it up and then just plug it into the, the little radio in the school. Right. I wasn't even drawing no beeline, really. I was just fascinated by yeah. this scene, yeah, by yeah. this thing. Okay. Wow. Nuts. So, yeah, I thought you would have took it to like the school disco at the time, you know what I mean? String it up and play some tune. But there was obviously a fascination there that kind of mm. stayed with you and drove you on through all the latter years. And that seed was pretty much, that was planted very early as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Real early. Teenage years, the fascination is already embedded. What happened next? Then it just married up with, you know, I'd actually already pre-teenage years had been and experienced Jashaka at okay. St. Paul's Carnival in oh, Bristol. right. And so, you know, teenage years was just an immediate extension mm. of now going to sessions understanding you know like i previously said i didn't even have no amplification for the double 15 inch right next stage is discovering amplification and what can be done mm, and right. how much i can emulate the sound system experience that i had been captivated by yeah mm. how much i could emulate that in my yard and you know dodge the inevitable environmental health letter that came through <laughs> quite quickly. By <laughs> um, the noise pollution. <laughs> couple death threats from the next door neighbour. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was very upset by my <laughs> by my pastimes. Your your forays <laughs> into <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> so this is actually like your early delving into music and sound system, isn't it? Yeah, I'd already started delving. Yeah, I think I started buying my first seven inch record was like nine, 10 years old. Mm. Mm. So I'd already started buying the records. Mm. Um, I think the, the critical thing in the teenage years was actually really starting to make a concerted effort to go to sessions. Right, okay. And go and travel to different places and take in different sounds. Mm. Um, and had a heavy like, routine of recording the sound system sessions, listening back to the cassette tape, mm. and then graduating to mini disc, mm. right. and recording all these sessions, and then, you know, studying them. Mm. In between, go to one session, record all six, seven hours of it, mm. listen to that almost relentlessly, okay. until the next session. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So music was really your ambition at school, secondary school from an early time still, isn't it? Yeah, because I'd actually been shown um, by my uncle who had clocked how much music was kind of mm -hmm. taking over my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he took me into his studio and showed me the, the kind of notion. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Uncle had a studio. Uncle had a studio. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I have an uncle like that? <laughs> really? Yeah, sorry, go. Yeah, he, he um, had a kind of basic, like an Atari, mm. uh, an emu sampler. I can't remember what the recorder was and a few things. And um, the very first Yamaha digital console, I can't remember, the, oh, something. Mm. I don't remember the model number, but he, he was familiar enough with what dub was right. to show me, look, this music that you'll kind of love, right? Watch, boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay. Here it is on the faders. Mm. Push them up and down, see what happens. Yeah. See what happens to it when you turn this knob above the fader. Yes. And that just blew my mind. Right. Mm. And it, but the mad thing was in that time is technology was expensive. Right. You, there was no, the DAWs weren't on, P, well, they were on PCs as sequences, but not as full-fledged audio, audio yeah. suite yeah. production house. Mm. You if you wanted to, tape if you want to build a rhythm, you need a sequencer, mm. some kind of sound modules or a sampler, hard disk recorder, a mm. desk, some effects. So after that setting there, I never got to go back to a studio. Okay. And oh, right. I just, but I knew that I had to get there. Right. <laughs> and I was so passionate about that side of things, I got myself banned from the music department in school. <laughs> okay. So I even couldn't go to here. Well, you started driving double ear this time around, didn't it? For real. So there was a technical fascination with what you were seeing, and that was married with hailing up the king. Did one feed into the other? What was that how it went? What was it the, the, the sound or was it the presence of the king? What was what was the driving force? I'm I'm really intrigued, especially being so young. I mean, I would say that it, it was the resonance of Rastafari, but I kind of would say that now looking back, mm. that's obviously the convenient answer. Mm. But I also can't sidestep how magnetized I was to it mm. and how I was a youth that needed a moral compass mm. because the environment that I was in, yeah. And the scenarios that I'd come from in life led me to be in a position where I could have been so vulnerable to suggestion. And I'm not saying I was an angelic youth at all, mm. by any stretch. I was involved in quite a lot of undesirable <laughs> things. Okay. But something inside the undesirable things that I was mixed up in kept pulling me back into this yes. moral compass. Mm. Yes. So, and that, it was it was very involuntary because I liked other styles of music. Right. You know, I liked kind of I, I liked a lot in that time the like US soulful funky house and stuff like okay. that. And that was really popping around me at the time as well. Okay. And I even experimented and, you know, collected mm. some music from mm -hmm. from from that style and right. but it was undeniable for me, even from a young age, the difference when I would go as a young man, be in a room full of adults, or a young child really, be in a room full of adults listening to something like Funky House, mm. and in a room full of adults listening 
to roots reggae mm. of a Rastafari yeah. persuasion mm. on a sound system. Yeah. Palpable difference. Yeah, a palpable difference that I couldn't have explained as a child. Mm. If someone had asked me to articulate it, I wouldn't really have been able to put it into words. Right. Okay. But yeah, it mm. was undeniable. And it's part of the reason that I feel so passionate about the music in its form because I feel indebted to it mm. and I feel like I'm a living testament okay. of how it can save people, mm. even in kind of far out places. Right. What would you say your mum and dad's ambitions were for you at that time? Were they happy to support this? Mm. This, oh, I don't know, this it's almost like a... Well, at the time, it would have been kind of cultish, wouldn't it? It, wasn't, it definitely wasn't a mainstream kind of preoccupation. I think because of the fact that it was part of the cultural makeup of Southend. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it didn't seem 100% abstract. Right, so okay. I'm not saying it was normal, mm. but it wasn't 100% abstract. Right. Mm. Because there was a lot of sound system sessions. Both my parents attended sound system sessions. Oh, okay. Took me to sound system sessions as a child. Right. So the the, the concept wasn't abstract. Yeah. Right. Okay. But maybe someone actually taking the principles of the music or the king's principles of the music yeah. really to heart and starting to try and embody the morality contained within the music mm. was kind of abstract still. Right. But... I think there was an acceptance and and there was never any objection or obstacles really and so okay. their ambitions as far as I could ever tell was just that I was, you know, at peace. Okay. Were they able to determine that the path you chosen was, was had the likelihood or the potential for building you as a, as a more righteous whole almost because you were adhering to principles that would have embraced things like humanity and... I think really and truly, given the backdrop against which I was raised mm. and the scenarios that were going on in the, 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 around the area where I grew up, mm. right. the fact that I wasn't really ever in trouble was just right. enough, you know? There right. was no need to question... Okay because there was so much violence mm. and so much drugs and so much madness. Right. And you didn't get swept and away with I that. was never in trouble with the police. Okay. I was never, you know, compared to what it was being, so. So what obstacles and challenges were you facing now you've, you're wearing the identity of Rastafari in the crown of the king? Mm. Quite early, I guess, in my trod, you know, two, three years in now, I, I left Southend and moved to Bristol. Was that with the whole family or just you? No, just me. Ah. Yes. So, and it's in Bristol now that the, I think Rastafari really started to, you know, galvanise mm. right. for me. And mostly that can be attributed to the fact that I happened to just walk into the there was a Rastafari HQ on um, Grosvenor Road in St. Paul's in Bristol. Right. And then sat behind the desk was Raspandeli Selassie. Okay. And he became an infinite source of guidance 
and um, you know presence mm. as an elder in Rastafari right. in my life. Yeah, During yeah. those times, I would sit with him in the HQ uh, in endless reasoning. Right. As an elder, he, he really speaks in parables. Mm. Right. And. Um, you know, leads by a parable and by example. Okay. Right, right. Evidently mm -hmm. a remarkable man and a remarkable influence. Mm -hmm. So that mentorship, that's, that's what pretty much cemented your own introspection or your own relationship with the King also, right? Yeah, it was a great privilege mm -hmm. to, to have someone that just led by example. Mm -hmm and kept his imperial majesty mm. as the focal point for the glory of the greatness of his example. There you go. Yeah. Um, and he showed me what it was to walk in faith right. as a family unit mm. and still prosper in spite of the obstacles and in spite of the challenges. Right. And how to meet every situation in the best interests of prosperity. Okay. With diplomatic, but ferocious <laughs> and courageous <laughs> yes. spirit, yeah. all led and guided spontaneously by faith. Mm. Yeah, the secret. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For where real. is your, your music career and your sound system like? Where are you at this stage now? So things have already kind of got serious. Mm -hmm. to a level okay sessions have graduated from you know house parties and right. we used to book out rehearsal room mm. band rehearsal rooms and keep little mini sessions right and graduated up from that now to actually putting on sessions right and being outside the major sessions flyering and, okay right you know and this is Kabbalah Amlak no oh initially in the trend before going to Bristol, I was in a sound with an ex-brethren called Aslan and we had a sound called the Horns of Jericho. Okay. And I think that was where things definitely kind of took more of a professional angle for me. Right. And then going into the Bristol time now, there was another sound, or I had another mm. sound mm. called Teshuva Hi-Fi. Okay. Um, and not to miss out that a critical moment in that journey also was the mentorship of another great elder mm. by the name of Red Eye. Cool. Gee. Who also mentored me during that period into the transition. Right. And he was a great musical uh, mentor. We actually started, I'd known him for most of my childhood. He was quite a figure in Southend. Um, sound man, producer, and box builder, and one half of the duo, Mr. Dubs, yeah. that built Shaka Sound and many Sweet. sounds. All right. And that also crystallized to just flashback for a moment to that first Jashaka experience that I had mm. at St. Paul's Carnival in Bristol. See. Mm. It's a quite a mystical cycle because right. that St. Paul's Carnival on Argyle, Argyle Road in Bristol, Shaka's playing outdoors. Sometime in the mid nineties, I don't know, remember exactly when, mm. and I remember being against the boxes and seeing the Mister Dubs tag, and it had the dial code 
on the phone number for the <laughs> landline of South End. Oh one seven oh two. Before the one. Oh right. Oh seven oh two. And so I remember being in Bristol, being captivated by mm. Shaka, seeing the image of the king on the wall, thinking about the, the Farai's The Captain in My Ship album, looking at the metal yeah, tag on yeah, the speaker, yeah, yeah. seeing yes. the dial code of my hometown, Join going back dots. to my hometown, <laughs> joining, joining yeah. the dots, find out about Red Eye. He's one half of Mr. Dubs. Red Eye and I fast forward into early adulthood. We start playing at a reggae night together at this bar called The Sunrooms. Mm. And we do it as a thing where he kind of scored me in the art of selecting. Right. He took the right turntable, I took the left turntable, and it was a right. heated but very friendly, competitive yeah. <laughs> right. selection battle, you know? Right, right. And that night ended, and that was every Tuesday night. And in, in the wake of that night, he realized that I wanted to learn to build rhythms as well. Okay. So from that point on, every Tuesday night, he came to my yard. Right. And taught me the basics of like, here's a classic rhythm. Here's Satama Sagana, here's Promised Land, here's Rise and Break Shine. This chords, yeah. this tempo, this is the way the bass moves. Same. Right. Give the rudiments. Go on. And then at the same time, helped me build the first eight Mr. Dub scoops. Right. Which meant all the parts started to crystallize now. And then that was the birth of the Horns of Jericho right. sound system. Okay. And then we played RDK at Southall Community Center. And that was the like, <laughs> that's when it got the serious now. Lift off. <laughs> so after RDK, that's when we had mission accomplished, you're in the stratosphere of, of where you want to be. This is where the journey really begins. Tell me about it. It's been that ever since. To be <laughs> the continuum. Yeah, yeah. I blinked and now it's now. Yeah. Um, so it was Horns of Jericho to Suva. Yeah, so that Horns of Jericho period now, and then when I moved to Bristol, that was the Teshuva days. Okay. What does Teshuva mean for the viewers, please? Well, unbeknown to me at the time, I, I, I had this, I was... Uh, what's the word for haunted in a good way? Like, <laughs> haunted in a good way. I was That's haunted it. in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> By the dub that Twinkle had cut for Shaka. Uh, okay. Repent. Right. It was just playing over and over in my head mm. and I needed to, you know, I'd left Horns of Jericho and I now needed to come up with a new name mm. for a sound. Mm. And that just was in my head. So I looked into the etymology of the word repent mm. and found this word teshuva mm. um, and held that as the name, but really after a period, it's like that name wasn't really working. Right. And because I think in a personal element of the journey, it's like, well, you, you don't repent forever. Yeah. It's not yeah. the point of repenting, you know, mm. if you've repented, yeah. then what? What's next? Absolutely. Mm. But then you're, you're continually repenting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, you might as well give up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then emerged again from just songs rattling around in my head with Zoot Sims, yes. um, African Challenge, mm. or there was a Lidge Silent um, 
Digital on mm-hmm. um, track Kibila Amlak and the intro of the Prince Farai, one of the Prince Farai dubs. Mm. Yes. And then that, you know, couldn't leave my head. So right. then that's when Kibila Amlak was born. Okay. Mm. Okay. And was the label, the record label around the same time? Did it all gel together? I'd already. And the meaning is glory to God. Glory yeah. to Jah, yeah. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. ideal outcome of yeah. repentance. Repent, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a name that, you know, it, it's, it's been an interesting name mm-hmm. to carry throughout the years. And at that time, it was the name of the sound and the name of the label. Right. But it's gone throughout the years, it's become my name. Right. <laughs> Okay. Synonymous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And in fact, that's what many people just assume they should call me now. Right. right? N- not in its fullness, maybe, but Kibir or, mm. or, or something. And I've, it's been a very interesting journey to kind of reconcile that in me. Okay. And it's been one of the most sort of uh, the things that I think has refined the work. Right. That I'm doing. Mm. But. The network, again, was Ras Bandeli. Right. Was one of the principal points of the network. Okay. Because I'm trying to reconcile this. Right. And, you know, that's what I'm, I'm saying by carrying the weight of the name. I'm really trying to reconcile right. the things that seem to contradict what's going on. Mm. Is this really an, uh, an act of giving glory to Jah? Right. Is this really something that his majesty would have approved of right if we're doing this in the name of the king are we so sure that if the you know if the king was to come like a thief in the night and observe our activities while we're booming down the place with sound system and doing this is he really going to give us the nod and say mm. good one guys you know yeah you, 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 you this is exactly what i had in mind right are you worthy you know <laughs> and so going to sit down in the HQ and reasoning things like this and reasoning about, you know, how that fits in the constellation of the African liberation struggle. Right. In, you know, which is inherent to the thing as well. Of course. Mm. And it's at a point where the music's definitely, I mean, the warping had already started from demographic to demographic, but it's kind of getting in full swing mm. at this period of time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by that demographic to demographic? Well, I mean that um, the cultural demographic is shifting from something that was a predominantly black audience. Right. right. Maybe not to a predominantly white audience, but a predominantly, you know, mm. mixed audience. There was an evolution starting to happen. Mm. It, I think it was gaining a lot more momentum right. Right, in okay. that period of time as well. Got you. And do you think the first diaspora was in acceptance of what was going on? I think there was... Was it an easy transition for everyone? I don't think there's one way to summarise a multitude of responses. Right, (laughs) okay. Some people were obviously very opposed. Some people Mm. were on the fence. Some people thought it was a good thing. Some people... It okay. was, uh, it was, I'm, I'm sure they, I didn't know there was yeah, a multitude, yeah. and to this day, is a multitude Still, of yeah. angles <laughs> through which one can view that situation and say, mm. is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. So Kabela Amlak is on the road. 
when did you start going to Europe and like networking it out, out there and like taking it out on the road, like outside of the UK and stuff? Um, it started even before Kibila, I'm like, oh, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, and it started even before Honda Jericho, actually. I, oh, right. I, I done my first show in Amsterdam when I was 18. Oh, right. Okay. Really? Yeah. Just on a kind of playing roots and dub and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Playing a solid roots and dub set. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So it was in me, like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I, that's exactly what I thought was right. the appropriate use of my time on Earth. Yeah. From, Spread that message. From them times. Yes. So, and, you know, every step that I made from, from that point forward was to, to work towards that aim mm. of, of taking this thing. Because really and truly, I've always just been fascinated by music. Right. Like fascinated in the way it's just like something so profound. Right. And Kibila Amlak to me really summarizes mm. the profundity of music. Right. It's this tangible experience that we can have of the most kind of divine mechanisms mm. of melody and harmony and rhythm intertwining, combining that with, you know, the oral storytelling mm. and that fascination is just what's always driven me and that now in the context of sound system mm. yeah, and it's... dub mixing mm. where i feel like there's even more space to allow the divine elements to come right. in mm. uh and this again not that reggae and sound system or myself are devoid from egotistical endeavors yeah. at all so. but at least there's an expectancy that you try to hold it down yes and actively work on it not being that way at least in in, in you know the very sort of rastafari oriented yeah sound system production creation music mm. avenue right and i think the more you can reduce the ego the more you allow the space for ja to permeate the team. yes you alluded to uh, playing in the dance and that synchronicity of your experience and how it's been driven on over the years. And it's come to a stage now where you're almost like playing as part of performer and creating a new synergy in the dance world by the, the dub experience in the dance. Tell us some of that. Yeah, the live dub experience mm. was it was actually the because I've, I've seen i've seen i've seen it online and i'm saying where is my invite i need to be there's a it's tangible the open, energy it's there the open invite How yeah. you feel, <laughs> but the energy is just it's, it's really really good isn't it and you must get a lot out of it so tell us about that man yeah in truth it was the original vision right because of that scenario of my uncle showing me the thing on right. the the thing on, on the mixing desk. Mm. And sound system just captivated me very much for a period of time. And the production captivated me and the technology for doing the live dub in the way that I wanted to do it hadn't quite caught up and it wasn't portable. And yeah, it, 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 it started to crystallize when I realized about Ableton software and then things just kind of was like, oh, wow, I can really do this, mm -hmm. how I envisioned it. And we are looking for sponsorships of Ableton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And um, 
the sound system for me, I could never leave. I couldn't have a preamp because the preamp had too much of a limited functionality. I had mm. to have a desk yes, yes. with six or eight send and returns mm. because I just loved the energy in the studio of mixing dubs. Mm. And so once I could get my head around how to do that in the live scenario, that really started to take over from everything. And I experimented with different constellations again, doing it with different singers and artists and musicians. And we've had some great experiences and even have a project cooking that is more in those realms now. Mm. But what I really think I became known for and what it seems to have been, you know, the most celebrated manifestation of my work mm. is the solo live dub experience that I've been kind of touring for the last, I don't know, eight years maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that long already? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You get a sense of a certain um, reverence where you have this artistic performer stroke sound man and he's, he's entertaining, he's giving you a unique dub experience. That's a one-off. I think people really, they really get that and really mm. appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's, to bring it back in again, is, is, is this, tri you know, the notion of giving glory to Jah, mm. trying to keep this, this moment in time sacred. Mm. And that requires a degree of being able to be, it, well, uh, my, the way it's kind of crystallized for me is to be, uh, is I need to be v able to be very dynamic at all times. And yeah. almost instinctive, intuitive. If, 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 if everything goes well, I don't really re fully remember the show, yes. if want to, for, for want of a better word. Mm. And I've, you know, just kind of absorbed into the audience and manipulated the music in real time according to the energy. Yes. And that that's, you know, how I presently feel that I can give glory unto Jack yes. with the opportunity that I have in the contradict contradictory space of things like nightclubs mm, yeah. and the music industry. But the energy becomes the entity itself, right? Jah willing. Yeah. Ja, that, I know? mean, that's, yeah. It's yeah. like Bruce Lee says, it hits all by itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you, so presumably, it doesn't feel like hard work. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could, in, like, if, 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 if a performance, again, for want of a better word, mm. I, you know, would rather call it a ceremony. Yes. If, if the ceremony has actually, if it's worthy of the word ceremony, I always feel way more energized mm -hmm. at the end than, okay. than I did before. Yeah. If it doesn't, I feel way more exhausted. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's that double giving, It's that giving though, isn't it? It's, it's, you're feeding energies, like you're feeding manna to people to nourish their souls. It, that's what it, it looks like from an outsider. I'm only saying that because I haven't yeah. been yet. I mean, mm -hmm. with that invitation again? Um, <laughs> it's an open invitation, all right. But you must really get a lot of pleasure from doing that. Feel fulfilled, surely. The ego aside. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And I also take it very seriously. I feel mm -hmm. humbled. 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm, you know, if you're asking me as the person, it's a kind of a, a thing that's, you know. <laughs> you don't want to take credit for it because this is natural. I would, love, I would love to be able to say that without sounding cliche, yeah, you know, right. I would, but, but as much as is possible without <laughs> going off on a bit <laughs> yeah. of a sleazy one, you know, right, but yeah. ideally, I de you know, if I could actually, you know, not have social media account mm. and, you know, have a bag over my head and just do this. Right. It would be amazing. Right. You know, right. that would be amazing. So that as much as possible, that's where I kind of mm. yeah, yeah. want right. to be. Because it's more pure then, isn't it? It's untainted by anything almost like secular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'm not saying that I don't enjoy the attention yeah. and... Mm don't enjoy feeling appreciated. I'm not, you know, yeah. naive to the That's attraction. That's a human thing to yeah. feel that way. But I, I, I'm aware of the contradiction in the two. Mm. And for that reason, that's why I'm like, no, it's not purely a breeze. Because straddling the contradiction mm. and trying to make the most of one to is, is, is a serious... Yeah, I take yeah. the responsibility very seriously yeah, yeah. so that I feel that I'm allowed to take the joy from it. Right. If I don't take it seriously, I can't take no joy. Right. True that. Okay. So mm. the, we've established the, the live dub solo mixing and thing, but tell us about some of the your musical mentors and peers that you've had to work with, had the pleasure to work with to get all your material and everything to this stage. There's there's, there's many, you know. So mm. I really give thanks. Mm. And I'm, I'm actually not going to list them through fear of missing anyone out. Right. Yeah. That's but, the measure of this brother. You know? See. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the quality. You want to encapsulate this brother, what he just said there. Mm. So tell him. Carry on, brother. But Appreciate what you. I <laughs> can say is that, you know, I've, I've been really blessed, really blessed to mm. have a lot of people give me a strength right. in, in the areas that I needed a strength. Right. Musically, um, great promoters, mm. uh, great mentors in the musical realms, in the studio realms, right. great artists that wanted to collaborate. Because mm. I love, like, I, I, ideally everything is done in the spirit of collaboration. Yeah. I, I never really loved the remote working I don't like just paying people for services. Mm. I like to, you know, honour the time that was spent with a financial exchange, mm. but that's not paying for services. See. That's just honouring our one's time right. because of the society that we live in. But the spirit of collaboration has to be present mm. yes. in what we're doing for it to feel, you know, proper right. in, in, in that way. Yeah. Um, and there's been so many people along that way. So anyone you associate with me is mm. is, is is getting the royal salute. See, 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 see it there. Outside of music, then, what's your hobbies and your interests? Outside of music, you think you have time for anything outside of music? What well, do you? If I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 kind of cruel to myself, you know. I love being in nature. Okay. That's, you know, that has to, right. has to be present in my life. Yeah. Um, and that's where I can draw a lot of 
strength when I need to right. draw for strength. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also have a keen passion for film, photography, design. Okay. Um, so that occupies quite a lot of time. Right. Which can make it feel like there's never any other time for anything else. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So no gardening, no... Do a lot of reading, anything like that? Yeah, I, I like to read. Um, I can't read non-fiction. Okay. No, I said that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read fiction. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't read fiction. Oh, okay. I like a good John Grisham novel, okay. man. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, I have no capacity to do accents. Okay, even inside right. my own brain, so all the characters <laughs> merge the same. Like into you. one monotone right. guy from Essex. <laughs> they all sound the same, don't it? Yeah. So how did you cope with the Bible then, with all the characters? Yeah, it's a challenge. Okay, it's a challenge, but you know, yeah, it's not so. Uh, it's not like reading a script, yeah. right? In that way, yeah. You know, and okay. it, and it doesn't move as quick mm. as as a novel can. You yeah. Know? Okay. No, and, no plot twists. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a quite a lot. Of, there, there's a quite few. a lot of plot twists still. <laughs> say what? He did what? What advice would you give to your younger self looking back now? Oh. Um. Just don't hold back. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Because the, you know, there is no escaping taking risks. Right. Like without taking the risk, there's no reward. Right. Where, if if it's a creative risk, if it's a a risk in performance, if it's a risk in pursuing a particular avenue yes. or something, the risk is going to remain the risk mm. for as long as you don't take the risk. Okay. Mm. So, and would that apply to say you was giving advice to a young person who wants to come up in the music and in the profession? What advice would you give to them? Take the risk. Same thing. Take the risk, yeah, because you, you, as long as you're worried mm. about making a mistake, there's no achievement yeah. to be made. I was going to say trepidation is a killer. Right. Procrastination yeah. is even worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you describe as one of your best qualities? Oof, best and worst is my stubbornness. Right. Yeah, and just not letting go and not giving up. Okay. It's best and worst, yeah. Mm. I mean, from what I get, I would say drive is one of your best qualities as well, because you seem to have a lot of drive in no matter what you do. That's how it comes across. Is that, is that linked to your stubbornness? It must be, isn't it? Yeah. It's all in the, all same, in the same cluster yeah. of right. behaviour. Okay. <laughs> Can you see him bugging or No, but, you know, the, the best manifestation of that is sort of righteous intent that's self-perpetuating mm. and self-energising. And, the you know, the mm. negative polarity of that is like, you know, just hot-headed stubbornness. Mm. Right. Yeah, that righteous intent, that's like the um, the snake eating itself. One feeds the other, doesn't it? Yeah. And the righteous intent is what feeds the motivation and the drive, and the drive feeds the, the righteous intent. And Real talk. Become perpetual. Real talk. Mm. 
real energy. Yeah. So what do you do to chill out then? If you know you, you haven't got anything to do, it's a weekend. You, you on the rare occasion you've got a couple of days just. Everybody's gone out of town and left you. I have nothing to do. You, you haven't got any mixes to do. What do you do? Do you bake? Do you <laughs> do knitting? Or what do you do? It would be to just go and immerse myself in nature. The only thing that truly stops me from thinking. Right. I try to spend as much time in nature right. by hook or crook. Right. Yeah, however I can get there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I used to visit you in Bristol, we was always go to the river or go to here and you know what I mean, try yeah, and take right. in the vibes. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of social media posts, you're out in the middle of yeah, somewhere. Right. There's no such thing as in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You're out in the middle of somewhere and it's nature, it's right. running water, it's massive trees, hmm. natural energy. I mean, I'm about to embark on a, on a, um, a personal campaign of hugging trees, and that's yeah. not even a joke. <laughs> serious. That's not even a joke. That's a serious thing. It's about immersing yourself, centering yourself, mm. and getting static out of our mind and body. Mm. So I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with hugging a tree still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Serious thing. Get in touch with the earth. If anything, that's the most sane thing you can do, particularly now. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, JT, it's been a real pleasure and an honor give having thanks. you in and sharing your story with us and the viewers and the listeners. Oh, give thanks for the invitation. What yeah. makes a brother tick? And yeah. this brother's ticking's on tap. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, go on. Yeah, I can't wait to come and see you actually up close and personal. Live dub giving glory to Jack, yes, sir. In the live dub scenario, actually, cannot wait. So, I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, yes thanks. Yes, so, sir. thank you for coming by, my brother. Yeah, my thanks, Rastafari. Peace and yes, love, yes, I would like to say a big thank you to all the viewers and listeners. This has been Garvey's Ghost in the Spectrum of Roots. Tune into the next episode coming soon. Blessings. Blessings.